Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast's after party. God, what is the number for this one? 36. Is it 36? 36. I'll just so assume many. Rachel is correct because she usually is. Because I labeled it in the calendar. Yay. When in doubt, Organized. label things. I do love labeling. I have a <laughs> label maker that is my best friend. Hey. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so we are back again. I'll also not try to take offense at that, considering we're married. From outer I was about space. to say, I'm supposed to be, yeah, your husband and best friend. Oh, whatever. Uh-uh. That's never how that works. <laughs> uh-uh. We fight now. So I'm not going to compete with Jessica. Sorry. Uh, maybe I should have clarified best friend when it comes to office supplies. Oh, there you go. <laughs> your best inanimate object friend. <laughs> I'm still go. offended. This <laughs> <laughs> I'm a label maker. Yeah, this is our first after party after we had returned from our hiatus, journeying across the desert with the faded. So welcome back. Understandably, we're trying a couple new things here today. We're going to vary things up a little bit because I figured, you know, we're coming back. I wasn't told there would be changes. Oh, did you Heather not? Heather hate change. Yeah, I, I actually didn't send a memo out to anyone. So, uh, no, yeah, I was just like, I didn't know anything. I, I just roll with it, though. Everyone. Yes. <sighs> so uh, we're going to be changing up our format here a little bit. It's not going to be a huge change, but I figured I'd let you know. And that's why you're hearing my dulcet tones instead of the sonorous, beautiful voice of Rachel Sandage. So to kick things off. So in the last three episodes, a lot has happened, although all of that really involves the doorkeeper's arrival at this lost oasis, the desert oasis here, the, I think I've called it like 15 different names, the salt flats, the salt oasis, the desolate oasis, I'm sure something else in there, reptile house, that you- <laughs> The terrarium. Hmm, terrarium. I like that one. I actually yep. like that one. Brings that evocative smell of lizard. Yeah. Really, so the, the first big thing that happened with the party over these last three episodes, I suppose the, the one that occupied a majority of two of those episodes is you arrived at the Oasis and then were immediately beset by a colony of basili. Basilisks? Basili. I'm going to go with basili. I don't Basilisks. like that. Basilisks. Basiludes. Basilides. Didn't I say that they were basilies or something basilis, like that? maybe. Basilicas. They're basilicas. <laughs> buildings come to life. <laughs> <laughs> These beautiful Baroque architecture structures. I guess my question for all of you is, what were your thoughts pertaining towards? How did you feel that fight went? I know everyone was very, very frightened at the end of episode, what was that? I think it was 106. The one that ends the midway through the fight? Yeah. I either never learned or forgot that you can bathe in the blood of the basilisk to get unstoned, so I was deathly afraid of being turned to stone. Well, I was glad that I had purchased a scroll of uh, stoned flesh. <laughs> glad uh, you purchased it. Glad you didn't have to use it. I was also glad I didn't have to use it because I want to put it in my spell book. <laughs> you haven't done that yet. It's higher. It's a higher level than I can cast. Oh, okay. I've kept it out just in case we need to yeah, use it. Yeah, because I remember Jessica had that discussion where she was like, "I could just write it in here, but I feel like holding onto the scroll in case I need it first mm-hmm. yeah. until I get to the point where I can cast it." Which is a smart move. Because use magic devices, ridiculous. Although yeah. I guess that would just be a caster level check. Whatever. I mean, Narmer was immune to being turned to stone, so that's the most it's important true. thing. <laughs> I was going to say, Narmer was definitely MVP on uh, on just raining down his aerial bombardment of acid. That was pretty yeah. cool. And Narmer could have also explained to all the replacement PCs what happened. <laughs> that is true. Gracious. I also forgot that uh, basilisks actually weren't that big of a deal. There's a reason it was a whole bunch of them. And it was because just one of them wouldn't have been that frightening. Yeah. Except for their one critical ability of turning you to stone. 
Yeah, but you can kind of not look at them. And apparently the save wasn't too bad because Hollis had a better than 50% chance of making it. Well, again, they're, yeah. they're lower level. Th- I think they're challenge yeah. rating They're five, not that I'm high of a challenge rating. But it was still nice to not be turned to stone for once. Yeah. Except for Masika, who definitely got turned to stone. Well, she hadn't been turned yet. So. And it got First time through was her turn. <laughs> it's one of those occasions where that knowledge check was a game changer. Usually knowledge checks are really useful in knowing it's like, oh, okay, I need to know how to get past this DR, all the rest of that stuff. But every once in a while, you get a knowledge check that gives you something that literally changes your entire approach because otherwise you would have been, okay, well, I guess we have to burn the scroll of Masika and mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah, it was nice to be able to have an alternative that didn't burn through our resources. Yeah. Well, and it'll let us unstone some other people, which was cool. Yeah, that was actually really interesting. Yeah, that gets us to our second bullet point where the doorkeepers have made two new friends since yeah. you arrived here. Mm-hmm. Ashmina and Anhok. I remember sitting there going, it's like really two A names at the same time, but all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least it's not another S name. So <laughs> the... The party had unpetrified two individuals, one of which had been petrified for the last 100 years, the other one which had been petrified for a substantially longer period of time. Yeah, poor guy. <laughs> I know, but it's a really cool way to get like some ancient lore uh, kind of dropped on you with yeah. like, you know, what was going on in the area at that time. Like it's really original way of doing that. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite thing about it was there's this dwarf and Hollis is like, ah, oh, dwarves. And Masika's like, ah, dwarves. And so Hollis and Masika go to talk. And then uh, Hollis and the dwarf talk about history for like an hour. And Masika's like, this is so boring. A thought actually just occurred to me. So we're uh, at the level where you can take leadership. So I was curious if like y- you could make them into your, uh, uh, what is it, cohort? Yeah. I mean, traditionally speaking, you could. Yeah, because that'd be really interesting to like you know, bring them along and get some more knowledge because you know, like, there's probably some really cool uh, facts that they would know about other areas that we're going to go to. To cut off any level of uh, excitement for our audience out there, as much as I hate dousing people's excitement, I did specifically state whenever we started this adventure path that I was allowing no one to take leadership because I don't want to have to deal with bouncing dice for other than dealing with levels and recorders and all the rest of that. Also dealing with keeping track of a freaking character sheet. They can join the B party with Kelru and Falto Mm. and everyone else. It's true. (laughs) The B party is getting real big. (laughs) I was going to say, at this point, point, there uh, there probably needs to be a C party introduced. No, we finally have another front line. We have (laughs) the the dwarf seems front line-ish. And then we have a cleric and a wizard and a swashbuckler. So, like, they're set. Yeah, that'll roll. Mm -hmm. And a rogue, if the lady's a rogue. Yeah. Okay. So that's a a five-person party, actually. She seemed like a thief that had gotten caught up, but I don't remember exactly. She's not been real forthcoming about why she was actually out here. She's been a little pervasive, but then again, she's I mean, also traumatized. To be honest, what what else is out here except stuff to rob and pillage? Like, there's nothing else in this area of value that we've been able to find so far. So it makes me mm-hmm. think that she was probably trying to do some tomb robbing or something like that and just got you yeah. know lost and caught up in a, in a the wrong place, the wrong time kind of thing. Oh, and then we decided, well, Hollis decided to like mind meld with Narmer, which was super fun. <laughs> sure. Doing you your Vulcan that. mind meld. <laughs> okay. First off, that was genius. <laughs> like super genius. Like I did not actually think that was going to work because then you're like, oh, I'll just teleport there. And I was like, wait, you have seen that once. Like I wouldn't have never thought of that. That was so inventive. <laughs> Yep, that's my life. So, <laughs> yeah, you guys, you've got a chance to talk with the uh, 
the two people that you unstoned. Uh, it was all I could do to not make a Futurama reference. A million years. <laughs> no. I will say that I did think that that was a, uh, a brilliant, I can't remember if they call it out in the book, a brilliant place to introduce new PCs if someone dies. Yes. Yeah, yeah that would be really cool. Um, yeah. And also a fun character backstory to make this like person out of time kind of character. That is cool. Yeah. Uh, which could be a lot of fun. Mm. That would have been a neat way of going about it. But uh, yeah. None of us died. And then came the, uh, after the little viewing of, of Narmer's inner mine, which, uh, yeah, he was very happy to revisit the memories with you and to just be helpful because he is the most helpful of, uh, of people. You He's so had precious. A long and uh, at points even uh, a little circular. heated discussion <laughs> about where to go to next. I think you, I think you entreated the gods for some information, and then you and they didn't give us anything else. Yeah, of course, we got a riddle back because yeah, that's they were our lives. useless. To be fair, I. I really appreciate you guys using divination all the time because it lets me include riddles, which is very much on brand for this Egyptian-themed adventure. <laughs> mm. I get to be all cryptic. Yeah. True. Any thoughts on your debate, or just uh, were you? Are you all like? Masika all doesn't excited? feel like we have time to waste because Tedesura is there. The bee baby's there. Her mentor that's been missing for months might be bee there. Baby. <laughs> So the sooner uh, the we get and deal with the cult in her mind, the better. And wandering around the desert with no goal was not high up there on her list of things to do. Well, we we had a goal. Yep. Like that. Hollis wants it. an instruction manual for the pyramid shooter. That's what Hollis wants. That would be ideal, wouldn't it? Because <laughs> otherwise, how are we going to figure out how to operate it? Ooh, here's a fun idea. Good quick roundtable. Start with Jessica and then we'll make our way around. In a word, what do you think is going to be there? Documents documents all right oh funny i was gonna go with knowledge oh knowledge nice. all right heather nothing helpful <laughs> I so really you to say nothing <laughs> <laughs> so so you're going with nothing i'm assuming to reduce that to one word yeah rachel information okay oh. like we all pick synonyms <laughs> no no one chose monster all right Oh no, if there's a monster, <laughs> that's just assumed. Like, Sorry, there's honestly, always a monster. Yeah, like yeah. honestly, there's always a monster. Like, whatever. I'm sure there will be a monster or a trap or a whatever. Another Shaitan waiting in the wings. Oh, uh, you know what would be interesting yes. is there are actually still some clockworks there. Oh, that'd be And cool. so we fight some clockworks. Well, we find a secret door into a secret room full of cool <laughs> clockworks that are sentient. And we can chat with them and be like, sup, homie. How's it you going? Show up, you show up and there's just a 12 foot tall clockwork golem catfish that attacks you. <laughs> what is I with mean, this catfish? Hollis, it's the Hulkbuster armor for Narmer. This is part of why Hollis went into adventuring. Okay? I shot of even bigger clockwork. Let me find a cool ancient forgotten place that has some rad technology or magic in it. Like that is Hollis's game. Let's do it. That sounds great. I mean, Narmer's all sorts of down for a big Jaeger suit. Oh we had God. that conversation before. <laughs> yes. As long as he doesn't need to sync with somebody else and m move at the same time and do all that. Masika. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah I feel like there's the, the, the three big points there. Breezing over a little bit of like the smaller points where, uh, you know, Narmer got back to you guys with some more information pertaining towards uh, Akma, the, the honest. And mm -hmm. uh, you also got to meet back up with Falto and chat with them. But mm -hmm. yeah, those are the big points. Oh, and Jesus that guy's going to lead us to the place if he remembers how to get there. That's true. And uh, and hopefully you've got a guide. Yep. Let's just hope the desert hasn't changed too much in centuries. 
I mean, major landmarks may have slightly changed from like erosion and stuff. They but, may have I changed mean, a lot. A lot of stuff's been in stone, so maybe. Yeah, so we'll see. The passage of millennia. Maybe I'll poke his brain and do a Vulcan mind meld and see what's up. That would be cool. You should Vulcan mind meld with him next. I think we already said we were going to do that. Yeah, at some point. Yeah, tomorrow. Oh, right. That was. <laughs> but then we teleported instead. We'll be back. Well, the plan was to just teleport there, see what's there, and then teleport back. So. Yep. I rolled that check, and I think I'm not supposed to tell anybody how it went. Yep. Okay. <laughs> great. Yeah. I guess from there, we're going to jump into our listener mail. mail and time. we've got. I'm actually, and we're going to try to do as many of these as we can before we get to the casting. So we're still going to be doing the casting. That's not going to change, but I'm going to hopefully try to get through a couple of these. Let's do it. Rapid fire. So our first one here is from Tim, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, the big OKC. Okay. Okay. Cool. cool. Thunders. <laughs> so uh, Oklahoma. Yep. Anybody have a, a good place to put Tim from? Aspenthar Thuvia. That was random. Or is that Thuvia? Aspenthar, I think, is a city state. Is it Plainsy? It's near Osirian. Well, I was thinking like hot, dusty, Send desert. Although it's not quite deserty in Oklahoma. Yeah, it's not deserty. It's just flat. That's why I didn't put him in Osirian. I put him in Aspenthar. Okay, Aspenthar it is then because nobody I've else never can heard of Aspenthar. But I'm gonna trust Jessica that that's a place. I'm running so, a quest set in Aspenthar. That's how I know about it. Hey, oh, cool. <laughs> so Tim from Aspenthar writes in, "Hello, head pathfolksies." <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Head pathfolksies. I hope that this finds you happy and well. I am an avid listener and look forward to each new episode. I've only been GMing for a few years, so along with being entertained, I learn something useful every week. Now, if I could just remember those lessons in the heat of the moment. <laughs> I have that a question about props. I've heard Rick mention drawing maps, Hero Forge minis, and maybe Jordan has a 3D printer question mark pawn bases, and various other accessories, but I'm hoping you could elaborate and explain how you've landed on your choices. How have your choices evolved over your GMing careers? So, um... I mean, we've always used a mat to draw them, a battle mat to draw the maps on, and something to represent the players. When we were yeah, broke, we've it was dice, but, you know, <laughs> now minis. It was the D12, let's be real. Starburst. Yeah, star, enemies star, star starburst, starburst, yeah. 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 Can, candy always makes for a good uh, enemy to throw out there. The only problem is, is everyone goes after the pink or red enemies first. Orange. Uh, some people Ew. know it's basically if you want something to live for a while, you make it a yellow starburst. Mm. <laughs> Am I the only one that likes yellow starburst? Apparently. I, mean, I like all the starburst. <laughs> There are no pink so, starbursts, but... So I suppose to go down that that list, uh, first off, as Heather brought up, we do use the battle mat, uh, and I hand draw the maps on there. I was going to say, you took an old battle mat and cut it into fours. Because I had a to, giant one, yeah. Yeah, to make several <laughs> smaller ones so that he could prep them ahead of time, and that was actually pretty helpful. That, that works under the time. evolving thing, where it's having multiple battle mats will speed things up. Uh, on the Hero Forge minis line, we have, I wanted to say Mummy's Mask was the first time we made all Hero Forge minis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. usually somebody found some but some pre-made one. Unlike Reaper. Yeah, unlike Reaper somewhere. Reaper doesn't do yeah. enough halflings. <laughs> That's I'm just going to throw that out there that most, most actually companies don't do enough small characters. That is true. Or non, <laughs> non, um, scantily lascivious. clad. Yeah, there's too many scantily clad women that are unnecessarily scantily clad. <laughs> or 80s hair. Or 80s hair. Gosh, oh, 80s come on, hair. guys. I suppose on the next question about a uh, 3D printer, yes, I believe. 
Yes, so I do have a 3D printer. Um, basically what we do is um, everybody can design their minis on Hero Forge. You can have them print them and ship them to you, uh, and it costs a little bit more. If you just get the file for it, it's $10, uh, unless it's on sale, and I can 3D print it for about three cents. Um, so we started doing that. We get the advantage of getting to have like custom-made miniatures with being mm -hmm. able to print them on the cheap. We also have bases. We bought some colored bases. So we have yeah. red and green, but Ross is colorblind. So actually I took all the bases and on the underside of the red and green ones, I wrote an <laughs> R or a G so that Ross would know which ones were red. And, and if green. there isn't anything written on them, they're black ones. You guys picked that up at PaizoCon, didn't you? Mm -hmm. I believe yes, so. Yes, we did find those at PaizoCon one yep. year. We needed yeah. some bases because we were starting Curse or something. Yeah. Anyway. Well, it was also one of those things I looked at them and I was like, wow, that'd be super helpful to know which things are on our side, which aren't. <laughs> and that is always my one big critique of PaizoCon is I wish they would bring in more fun vendors. Like you have the the staples that are there that have like the books and, and there's always the artist of the year. But I would like it if they brought in more like crafty people that do stuff with D&D because, man, I would probably spend so much more money. It's probably good they don't. And outside of that, as far as gaming accessories are concerned, I think, uh, I believe all of us use a, a dice tray. Yeah, yeah I just and, got uh, one for my birthday towers, recently. Um, I don't well. have a tower. I just have the tray. A couple yeah. of us have towers and... I don't use a tower, but I'm a little, like, starved for space, so <laughs> I can't add anything else and to Rick it. And Rick has his really fancy game screen. I've got a great mm -hmm. game screen. I've got a wooden uh, a GM screen and you're we, welcome. Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, and we also use the battle top, which is from, uh, I believe that's actually Citadel. Crystal no, no, that's Castle. Crystal no, Castle. Crystal Castle, yeah. Or Crystal Castle. Because they do dice as well. We use that. And other than that, yeah, I've got a Game Mastery uh, initiative tracker. I actually prefer it to the official Pathfinder one, the old school Game Mastery one from like 10 years ago. I just like its layout. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's that's basically what everyone uses for this, other than I think Rachel and Jessica both have calculators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, don't I do that know like people it's a bad out thing. there, they actually print out on a 3D printer the terrain, they'll print all the monsters as if they're yeah. miniatures, um, and then they paint I've the entire thing. I've really wanted yeah. to do that, but none of us have the time to yeah. do yeah, that I, kind of it. stuff. I, yeah, that, my problem is exactly that. Storage. Where would I keep it? I don't know yeah. where I would put all of that stuff, because we actually have a lot of miniatures that we've gotten from, like, PaizoCons, when they give us, like, the little boxes of plastic figures, and they're just in a tub together, so it feels kind of, like, mm. weird, because then I always forget about them when it comes around to using them. But yeah, that's that's basically it from us. So, uh, Tim signs off with saying, uh, thank you for all the things, and hope you have a nice day. You too. Yay. So thank you, Tim. Our second email, this one's a little bit longer, comes from Will in Arbor Vitae, Wisconsin. I thought it, I thought it huh. said Vine at first, but it is Arbor Vitae. Hmm. That sounds like a or fun place. That does yeah. sound like a cool place. It sounds fancy. Yeah, I mean, it's basically Arbor Life at that point. But <laughs> uh, it's like so a Will, forest. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of a ski lodge. I don't know any place famous in Galarian for their cheese. But if so, Wisconsin fair. is famous for its cheese. <laughs> any place that has a lot of cows. Everywhere but, has cows, I feel like. Arbor, Arbor Life. It's got to be a place foresty. I don't know. <laughs> Falcon Dark Moon Vale. Dark Moon Vale. <laughs> oh, God. I'm sorry. Why are you doing that to the poor guy? All right. Will from Falcon's Hollow. Right. Sorry. Hey. Yeah. Sorry, He's buddy. He's not in the lumber consortium. He's a good guy. Yeah, you can choose to be whatever alignment he wants. That's true. He writes in, Hello, fellow Pathfinders. Sup? Hi. I hope that you find yourselves well in this current time. 
I have recently found your podcast on Spotify and have been eagerly listening to episode after episode. I think that I just finished episode 71. Now, mind you, Will wrote us in, wrote back to us before we went on our hiatus to go and do our faded tale. So mm. you may very well be caught up by this point. So the one with the Vipers deal. And may I say that I've been enjoying every moment thus far. Heads up, Rick, you may want to cover your ears for this next part. <laughs> you all, wait, let me try that again. Y'all do yeah. such an amazing job from character creation and background <laughs> stories to rolling with nat ones and trying very hard to play from character perspective versus metagaming. Rick, here's your bit. Phenomenal GMing. I absolutely love the way that you make the stories come alive via the descriptions and spells and textures, verbal illustrations, and of course, dramatic pauses before something dreadful or epic. Outstanding podcast, guys. That's just how he speaks. <laughs> and he's just reading it real fast. Pause. I, was, yeah, I was just trying to get through that because... Uh, it makes me uncomfortable to read praise about myself. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I am going to, uh, this was written in after this point. So I am going to include an apology here for Heather. If uh -oh. you have some time, I will have a few questions on yours. Oh. Why oh, so sad. serious? <laughs> was this the way you were meant to be played or is the soul quote Heather that is driving you normally this serious. <laughs> I am not that serious, but on yours was definitely meant to be played that seriously. That's and a lot true. of it had to do with stuff in his backstory. Some of it came out while he was still with us. Some of it didn't, but that was definitely yeah. the way he was meant to be played. He's a serious boy. <laughs> He's very serious. Uh, this is followed up with another character no longer with us, Sagira. To be or not to be. <laughs> Will you rise to the head of the Fated or return to the Temple of Bestet to be reunited with your love or lost love, in parentheses, your mom? Question mark. Uh, obviously not going to be in charge of the Fated. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's already played out. So whoops. She'll probably go back to Wati afterward, though. I don't know. She might take on the Viper afterward and take it over. That guy's going to be dead. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she's expecting to be united with her uh, her mom. Let's, let's be real. If you actually Hopefully go back free there, her spirit, likely it, the Viper will still be there, but it's actually Zephyr in disguise. I get to say yeah. hey to my mom, maybe. That's and true, if it's maybe. Zephyr, I'll just be like, Haha, I can punch you right in the face. Because <laughs> <laughs> I did that once. Well, I elbowed him, but whatever. This is followed up with Lucky Contar. Hey. At which point I'm still I, with can us. Tell, I can tell that, uh, that he was writing some script for me. So I'll do my best here. Hold on. Dramatic pause and stare oh. at Jordan. Oh my God. <laughs> Your mistakes years ago cost us. Not so much that I would <laughs> deal with you directly. Then I heard you served your time. Will your past with a viper come back to haunt you? Does not locate in the asp, in parentheses, an innocent boy much like yourself and saving him, even if he's the viper's blood, weigh heavily on Sudi. Oh does, man! Does it actually, that's actually a very good question. Does that ever weigh on Sudi? Because he knows nothing about the fated tells. Sudi does not know that the uh, that the asp is alive, and the the thing that he had to kind of come to terms with is the fact that you can't save everybody, because it's really easy to if you know you think that you're the hero that you have to save everybody. And if we look at like the. Uh, undead uprising that came in tons of people died and he wasn't able to actually do anything about it it's something that i'm sure he meditated on for a long time and you come to the conclusion that you can only do the best that you can and try to be better the next time 
asked for his pass coming back to get him. Uh, uh, yeah. Whoops! Yeah. <laughs> Not even his pass. I was gonna say it's like it's it's like his like parents' pass. So he's like, I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> yep, and that's what he's saying. Is he punches that genie in the face? Yeah. This is followed by Citra. Quote: You may make a sense motive check if you wish. End quote. <laughs> <laughs> I always will. Yep. <laughs> it's really funny going back to like old episode commentary. Oh my that's, goodness. That's still true with Rachel though. She calls for sense motive checks more than anyone. Because yeah. I've had it bite me in the butt in more games when I've forgotten about it that I tend to get paranoid and I, I call for sense motives a lot. Question is, as your relationship grows with Falto, where would you two settle after the adventure path? I don't know if we'd settle. <laughs> I own the world as adventurous. Yeah, yeah I, I almost think that Citra would want to, she'd want to see the worlds because she's learned so much from Falto about, you know, these weird places outside of Osirian, you know, that she might want to see it for herself and, and be paint interesting. Them. And paint them, <laughs> yeah, probably. You know where they wouldn't settle? Tafu. Yeah, I'm not allowed to go back there. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Arguably, Spoilers Falto's... if you somehow jumped forward to this, this AP. <laughs> Arguably, Falto's not allowed to go back to Absalom after stealing from the Grand Lodge. So so, there, so there's two down and two million places left to go. Yep. Yeah. Younger the so, Mana Waste with Hollis or Quantium. Yeah, they'd travel. So uh, then asks me, and has a quote here that's uh, rather touching that says, stir the world with your skills, shake the world with your talents, move the world with your brilliance, change the world with your genius. Uh, I don't know if that's a quote from something, but I very much like that. Oh, I like that too. It says, uh, I can't recall if this question has come up in any of the other after parties, but Rick, have you or are you working on any homebrew material? <laughs> if so, could we sneak a peek and do you have any advice for homebrew campaigns? The hey, answer James. to that Ooh. is... Uh, well, I did do the fairy tale, which was kind of homebrew. I do a lot of subtle changes to the adventures that I run through, and so that's kind of that's that's me expressing my desire to do you know homebrew and impersonal additions and changes. As far as building my own world and all the rest of that stuff, a la Matt Mercer or something, then that's a little bit outside of my area of expertise. I am very much a uh, I like to have a, a coloring book and color within the lines, but choose my own color palette. So. Well put. Thank you. Yeah. That uh, then follows up with, thank you all again. Please be safe and disease free. In parentheses, kind of hard with the undead, I know. <laughs> and have a wonder-filled life. We trying. So thank you, Will. Doing my best. Yeah, we're, we're doing our best. <laughs> Everyone it's, roll uh, your fort, sa fort saves for today. Yeah. No. <laughs> yes. How are we waiting until now to do it? So... Our next email comes from Jason from Kansas City. Okay, which Kansas which, City? Yeah, which side? It just says Kansas City. So are you a Kansas Kansas City or a Missouri Kansas City? He's a Schrodinger. Oh, he's oh, a Schrodinger Kansas neither. City. Okay. Straddling so the just, lines like Nethys. Uh Ling. He's from the Nightmare You're from Ling, Ling. yeah. What? Because Man. Uh, wow. he is both and what nothing and all and everything. Okay. Uh, wow, harsh. I was, I was just going to say. That's a cool say, place. I was just going to say you could be from Absalom, but also sometimes Shadow Absalom. But anyway. oh, I like I the Nightmare Realm of Ling better. I, Ling. I, I don't know. He's I from like Ling. Absalom, Shadow Absalom. That's pretty cool. We already put somebody in Shadow Absalom. Sure, but. Well, he you can know, be in both. You can visit. Anyway, Jason writes in and says, Hello. Hello. Hello, Hello. Jason. Hello. Yo. First and foremost, I wanted to say thank you for being a fantastic group to listen to. Oh, thank you. Why, thank yep. you. I picked you up when my local game group started the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. Mm. 
I had tried to run a group through the adventure years ago, but we never completed it. The group fell apart. That's always sad. That's super sad. I got to start it again with a new game group, and I'm very happy that as this is one of my favorite APs available. I really love this setting. How do you like the setting compared to a location like Corvosa from Curse of the Crimson Throne or Lepidstad of Ustalov and Carrying Crown? Uh, it puts in parentheses, I'm running that one too for another group. First off, great choice with Curse of the Crimson Throne. It's a wonderful Yeah, it's, it's a, a, wonderful that's a great one. Very fun. As well as Carrying Crown. Mm-hmm. I've never played an AP that's set in a place that I don't like. Ustalov is still probably one of my favorite places in Galerian, but I mean, I really like Osirian. I mean, the the thing about it is if it's going to be, especially a place that's central to an AP, guaranteed it's going to be having tons of lore. There's going to be a lot of interesting things to discover. Um, And I, again, haven't found any place that I've been like, I dislike it. That being said, I generally like the wacky adventure paths that some people call it, where you go outside of the like Western European settings. Mm -hmm. So I do enjoy getting to go to like Numeria and Iron Gods or getting to go to Assyrian and Mummy's Mask. I'm still holding so, out hope that one day I'll get my Voodrin AP. That would be so uh, cool. I would be so happy. Paizo, please. Do you have any feelings on this, Rachel, or just Voodrin AP? Yeah, I love the Osirian <laughs> setting. Nope, I, we don't like I, it. I, nope. <laughs> I, I, I like anything that's kind of out of the box, kind of like Jordan was saying. But I'm also going to piggyback off of Heather, where it's it's very rare that even if I am in a traditional Western European medieval setting... I'm still enjoying the heck out of that too. So I'm very easy to please. So yes, I like Osirian. Yes, I like everything else. <laughs> yeah, she likes Waterworld. I like Waterworld. So you you keep bringing Zing. that up like you think is going to shame me. I will wear that as a badge of honor. <laughs> I know it's not. Gonna, there is one thing you don't like. Red Riding uh, Hood. Red Riding Hood. Yeah, that movie yeah. was so bad that I went to it for free and wanted my money back. Yeah. Yep. Um. <laughs> All I'll really say about it is I, I find the Osirian setting to be very interesting. While we didn't, I can't remember the proper term for this, do any field marketing stuff or anything like that before we launched this because we didn't have a marketing team then. Uh, we, we don't really have a marketing team now. have a marketing team, boy. Uh, it's, it's just Jessica. Um, <laughs> it's one of the five hats she wears. I got a big head. <laughs> the, I felt like the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path was set in an extraordinarily evocative region that kind of it captures the imagination as ancient Egypt has captured the imagination for thousands of years. And so I like it because it stands in such contrast to traditional fantasy. So... Uh, that being said, if you like traditional fantasy, we also have Tyrant's Grasp. Although, to be fair, you guys haven't gone anywhere traditionally fantasy like in the I was, entirety of Tyrant's I was going to so say, far. that is not start traditionally it's at cool all. It's cool AF, though. Oh, it's super cool, yeah. <laughs> uh, also, Ustalov's great. Ustalov's great. Jason continues to say, Hearing you all put your own touch to the story really made me realize how much is available to work with, especially with all the NPCs in book one. Currently, I'm running seven players through this AP. Wow. Oh, <laughs> that's a lot of people. Table. That is a lot. Uh, and they are in book three having the same problem with the Medusa. Five of them were turned to stone. <laughs> oh, oh, dang. Oh, oh dang. Uh, and they promised oh, a favor to your favorite NPC to get them back. <laughs> <laughs> that's an expensive, I, I expensive mistake. I love yeah. Mamanafra. The best part of that book, or that part of the book, hands down. Yeah, she was good. Yeah, and uh, continues to go on to say that this is not their first risk of uh, death the group has. They had uh, 
have had interacted with several NPCs through book one and two and developed strong likes for particular background characters. A few of them are second char- are second characters now as a result of deaths and have chosen to play the NPCs brought on as characters rather than come up with new characters altogether. They felt that it brought the story around for some of the characters that would have been left behind as the books advanced. They really connected with the adventure group, the Daughters of the Desert, and uh, Ball Theorem, who I think showed up very briefly for all of you guys. Oh, but was the never cleric. Really, yeah, the cleric of uh, Phrasma. <laughs> Have any of you ever considered playing an NPC as a main character when you lose your original PC? I can't say that I ever have. I've never considered it, but if I was going to play one, Lowry. Oh, yes. Friggin' yeah. loved her. There are instances where I've wanted to play one of the characters that we've found, but I, in general, or it's a little bit of my own control freakness of wanting to just tweak and tune every little thing. And you have to kind of inherit whatever decisions were made when they were originally sat it out that, you know, I'm just like, eh, I, I don't want to do that. And especially if it's been a character that's been with us for a long time and Rick has really mm. established their personality, I don't think I'd feel comfortable taking over that role. Yeah, the character has a bit of a sudden personality mm-hmm. shift. <laughs> yeah, and for me, it's, it's always a bit of that, uh, it's the advantage of having radio and it being us, uh, being just the five of us right now, the six of us when Ross is playing with us, where it's not the same as your ensemble Marvel cast where they recast Rhodey and then everyone just went, okay, you know, there's a mm-hmm. different person, but this is Rhodey now. That I think if you have an NPC, for instance, like Falto, and if I suddenly just had Ross come onto the show and play Falto. That'd be weird. It, yeah. would, it would be a little bit strange because it's not the character that you're used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being but said, like, if that works for your group, that's great. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And like if Ross came and played on Hocked, that would be less weird because he's new. Yeah. And he yeah. hasn't been established yeah. yet. So. Uh, Jason signs off saying, once again, thank you for the great story and especially to Rick. I love seeing the perspective of another DM in the same story. New listener with the intent to stay, Jason. Aw, thank cool. you. Very nice. Yeah, thank you so much. Very cool. So Devin writes in. Devin doesn't provide us a place that Devin is from. Uh, Devin gets to be from... Castroville. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, sure. Castroville. I'm Castroville. playing a lot of Starfinder, so now I'm just pulling places. All right. Or or it could be Pathfinder Castroville. Could be both. Oh, yeah. He's an elf. Or they That's are true. an elf. You, you, yeah. Devin, Devin can be an elf, can be from Castroville. Uh, honestly, Devin, you can be, you can also be a Lashinta and be from Castroville. And I, you can probably, I'm pretty sure you can play Lashinta in uh, Pathfinder as well. So wait, take you can. Yeah, it's pre. I'm going to say it was one of the, uh, what was it? Uh, Other worlds. Ooh. Devin writes in and says, "Howdy, y'all." Howdy. Howdy. As I'm writing Texas? this, I finally caught up after only finding your podcast last month. Oh, wow. Wow. Good job. Yeah. That is, a, that is a Herculean task right there. So it's like first must uh, start by congratulating everyone and becoming partners with Paizo and reaching your two year mark. That was a little bit back at this point. But again, we're catching up on all the emails that we had from uh, before our long break. But yes, we hit the two year mark and also Paizo, uh, Paizo partners. So that was that was a whole lot of fun. That was really good. It was. Yeah. Yep. We were super excited when we got that email. <laughs> Very true. Uh, I also must give praise to everyone on making a story come to life and amazing role playing. Aw, shucks. Thank you. I only tend, <laughs> I only tend Aww, to shucks. fully catch up on podcasts if I find the story and role playing to be most excellent. You are the fourth podcast I have ever fully caught up on out oh, now cool. out of 20 Ooh, that I have wow. seen on Spotify. <laughs> Wow, wow. Nice. Between Rick's great narration and all the PCs acting and role-playing, it has been uh, hard to pause for long periods of time. 
I almost started to cry in the middle of my shift at work when Onyura sadly fell to that cursed Aww. cultist. But I must say Heather's new character has already won me over and especially the lovable clockwork catfish Narmer, who has put yeah. me at a tie between him and Sudi for my favorite main characters. <laughs> oh, Sudi's getting outstaged by a class feature. Uh, hey, Girl. hey, Narmer is amazing. Uh, I must ask, have anyone in the group ever made joke characters that were centered around one big joke? For instance, I have a half-orc bard barbarian, which I called a barbarian, that has a great axe loot, uh, and a, also have a human barbarian wizard that uses illusion magic to hide his true appearance so that once he runs out of spells, that he can whip out his warhammer just to finish the job up. Huh. I have not done anything like that. I mean, I can, I can understand the appeal for some people, but I think for me, especially in a long campaign like an AP, it would get old after a while. Yeah, the only time I made a joke character was during the second edition playtest. I made my first, you make multiple characters during that, and I made my first character's name Jeff, G-E-O-F-F. And then my next character's name was Jeff, J-E-F-F. And Rick was just like, if your next character's name is Jeff, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> that is the only time I've done a joke character, really, is just like trolling with the name on something that didn't really matter. I actually have one. I didn't get to play him for long. Uh, I think I might have attended to bring him back as an NPC or something. But I did make a, uh, I think it was a mime. Uh, or it was, some, it was a jester of some form. And I took all the improvised weapon stuff so that I could beat people with a mallet. <laughs> and like that was my whole idea behind the character uh, and then I think so eventually, upgraded, eventually I upgraded to a crowbar but like, that Freeman. was my that was my whole idea and uh, I remember back in 3.5 that there was the uh, th I think it was a 3.0 I think it was one of the soft cover books that it talked about building characters and it had a couple of suggestions and one of them on there was don't make characters with joke names because Barry the Barbarian may sound funny at first level, but when you have a you're having to tell people about your epic 18th level Barbarian Barry, that it's not really that funny anymore. And it's like it was great for laughs for the first five episodes or five levels, but after that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about you, Rachel or Jess? I don't really make joke characters. I make characters that you make wacky characters, but not wacky, like. But they're not jokes. I made Ketra, who was a little kobold and curse, but she wasn't really like she was raided by dwarves and stuff. And she had a roommate that was a pseudo dragon. I guess she could have been a joke, but I, she was serious to me. I don't know. It's all Actually, in how that, you play it, because like that that does sound crazy, but like you played it straight. I mean, you know? Elsa's yeah. jokey AF, but she's not a she's not a joke. It's the theme, is it? Like if you made, <laughs> I think if you made a kobold and then we're like, I'm a kobold sorcerer that has a lizard familiar, and then I also become a druid, so I can get a lizard that I ride on, just so I can have like three lizards stacked on top of each other. Like that's, mm. I think, the kind of joke. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Where it's like the mechanics are built around the theme of having a joke about them. What about you, That's Rich? That's true. I don't know if I really do joke characters as so much as I do thematic characters. Like, I'll have an idea and I, I will build off of that, but I don't think I've ever taken it so far as the three lizards. <laughs> oh, Hollis has a joke. She has a chicken. That's hilarious. There you go. <laughs> but she's not a joke either. But no. I picked it because I thought a chicken was hilarious. I was going to say, but your chicken's the smartest member of our party. No, Hollis is smartest. I think you named her Sugar as kind of a joke because it's the southern. Because it's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's that, and she's white, like sugar. And she's so. got, like, she's a fluffy chicken, like a cotton candy. 
There's yeah, layers so. of this joke. But they're not really. I mean, she doesn't. She doesn't seem like a joke. It's just I thought it was funny and amusing, and so I, I put that into my care. So I guess kind of. That does occur to me, and I cannot remember who made this comment, so I apologize. But someone on our subreddit made a comment when Narmer first showed up, which was. Uh, Expecting a new PC, and then Narmer steps out, and Rick is literally catfishing us. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't an intentional that. joke, yeah, that. but it was good. Yeah, true. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the real PC showed up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Is so, Masika the real PC? Is she the class feature, and it's really Narmer that's the PC? Well, Narmer's knows. played by the GM, so no. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, you are the mount, so you are the class feature. I'm sorry, NPCs are played by the GM. PCs That's are true. played by not the GM. That's the rule. That is the rule. Uh, Devin then finishes saying, anyways, I won't keep you any longer and hope everyone stays safe during these trying times. Much love. You Thank too. Thank you, Devin. So I will state that uh, we have received a lot of wonderful emails over the past couple of weeks. And we, of course, have not been able to respond to those. So we're doing our best to try to respond to as many emails as possible. Your emails have been read and we will try to get them on air at some point. But that little hiatus put us a little bit behind on staying up to date with all of our emails. So feel free to continue writing in emails and we will continue to answer them. And uh, of course, if you're enjoying Tyrus Grass, feel free to write in on those too. And we'll do our best to try to keep catching up in the next few after parties. Keep on struggling. So yeah, that brings us to the casting for the gods. Usually this would be uh, Rachel's turn. 13. Oh man, I've been looking forward to this one. And actually, I think I already know who I'm going to cast. So... We're going to be casting, and I apologize because, once again, I am horrible at pronunciation. And so, uh, Luis, please don't get on and yell at me. Or or Luis, get on and yell at him, because it would be funny. <laughs> we are going to be casting Castletall, also known as Mother Jaguar. Woo! Oh, Jaguar, okay, I know who prefer. that is. Yeah. Castletall, also known as Mother Jaguar, or Lady Jaguar, is an old deity revered for thousands of years on the continent of Arcadia. Ages ago, she was worshipped by the Razatlani Empire as a goddess of might and protection in war. After the catastrophe of Earthfall, however, her edge softened. Those who struggled to put the world back together called upon her to protect their neighbors and came together under her guidance to build strong bonds of community and support. Today, Kesatal is worshipped throughout Arcadia as a deity of community, liberty, and safety. Her churches support the downtrodden and reinforce better ways to work alongside one another for compassionate goals. Clerics of Castletal ask for her strength so that they can help those around them and protect them from danger, enriching their communities with civic pride and keeping a sharp eye out for internal dangers that had actors among their flock. War priests of Castletal rely on the deadly edge of their machetes to fight against corruption and oppressive forces in the world. Above all, Castletal's clergy preaches the strength of love, both for other people and for the cultures they form, which gives followers their strength to fight without compromise or weakness to protect those that they hold dear. Kesatol mm. is largely unknown in the inner sea region. Over the last few years, however, her clerics have ventured into Avistan in response to contact from Chalaxian colonists near the Arcadian city of Sagata. Kesatol's teachings of liberty and safety rapidly attracted a number of former slaves after the recent abolitionist success in Absalom, and her emphasis on community brought many of these disparate people together into a political bloc during the crucial time. Uh, other churches of Kazatal are found in Garoon, particularly in Singhor, and other cities where merchants have traded with Arcadia. 
I'm yep, so I ready. Who I have. I know who I have. I don't know if you guys can see. Very cool. Yeah. Also, that's a live jaguar. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So cool. I will Doesn't point she have out a cool that, item? Uh, that Luis. I remember an interview that really sold me on this book with uh, that Luis Loza from uh, Paizo and No Direction fame mentioned that one of her, I think it's a domain ability. It's something that a higher level mm. caster of hers can do is uh, when they hit high level, it might be 20th that you get throwing jaguars as a ranged weapon. Yes. That you can just summon jaguars and throw them at people as like a summon monster thing, but they just leap, grab onto people and then disappear. And I'm like, I'm done. Anything that just so lets good. me throw big cats at people. So good. <laughs> I need to figure out how to play a cleric of this. Hey. Hmm. Anyway. All right. I mean, I know who I'm going to cast, but I don't know if... Uh... Me too. Yep. All right, Rachel, yep, first or too. last? I'm going to go first. All right. I bet she's gonna uh, say what I'm gonna uh, say. I hope you don't say what I'm gonna say. I have, I have two. I always have two, but I nope one. No one. Well, I was set on one, and then I changed my mind at the last minute because I think she's better, and I was sad that she didn't get cast for something else that was amazing. Gina Torres. God dang it, Rachel! Uh, oh, that's mine too. Oh, uh, that's a really good one. Because Gina Torres <laughs> is Mother Jack. I mean, come on! If you look at that Amazonian goddess, yes. she is. Just amazing. And she can be motherly and good, nice, but yeah. also yes. first. Like, come on. She was she was Zoe and Firefly and just I knew you were gonna say Gina Torres. It's definitely <laughs> Gina Torres. It's definitely Gina Torres. All right, fine. I don't have to go because Rachel, it is the same. Yep. <laughs> okay. Well then I'll throw mine out there. Uh it's mostly because I've always loved this actress and uh she plays a very she plays a, a very good big strong lady but also can be very tender in a number of roles I've seen her in, and that's Michelle Rodriguez. Uh-huh. I love yeah, Michelle was, Rodriguez, and it's always like she could beat you down. But there is a tenderness to her. There's, there's kind of a fun, feisty side to her that I think works very well for a goddess of jaguars. Very cool. All right, uh, I did think of Michelle Rodriguez, but I uh, decided on this person first, so I'm sticking with it. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Ah, uh, good one. Okay, first did- off... She is fierce. Yep. Well, yes. She is super nice. She is half Kenyan, half Mexican, which is super cool. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. (laughs) Didn't we put her up for Shalin, too? I think so. I don't think she got it, but we did put her up because she she definitely is awesome. Yeah. Hmm. And can be also very fierce. Yes. Heather? All right, Heather. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher her last name, but I'm going to go with Danai Guerreria. Oh. Black Panther and Michonne from The Walking Dead and oh yeah yeah. oh yeah Yeah. who's she in Black Panther? She's the head like guard lady. Yeah, my my brain won't think of her. She has her her shaved head. She throws a wig in a guy's face and then punches him. Yeah, Okoye. 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 True. True. Ah, that's a good choice. Yes, these are all good choices. Good luck, Pathfolk. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, good luck. This is the second time I put Gina Torres up, though. Need her I'm to win something. This is the first time I put Michelle Rodriguez up for anything, and I love her. I, it's also because I've been rewatching Hannibal, and Gina Torres is on that too. Oh, and even God. though she doesn't have a big role, I'm just God. I'm like, I, I forget how much I love her as an actress. Have we ever put Karen Gillian up for anything? Not yet. Because uh, we so. should. Uh, she I is feel amazing. like we definitely put her up for something. Doesn't mean we won't. We still got like what? Yeah, we got a lot of deities. So many deities. Oh, man, we have she, so many more deities. She would have made amazing for asthma. She just has mm-hmm. that that cold delivery to things. 
I don't know. See, I'm used to seeing her as Amy Pond. It's a little different. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> or that girl from Jumanji. Yeah. <laughs> I think anyway. we have one more thing to say before we sign off, Pathfolk. Yes. Uh, would you like to tackle this, Jess, or should I? I can. Okay, um, I'll hand this so over to Jessica. Here's the mic. Gen Con is the weekend of August 1st. It kind of spans that. And Find the Path yep. is going to be doing a quote unquote live show um, on our Twitch stream. And that's going to be part of Gen Con. We are yeah. going to be doing a little adventure that takes place in second edition with our same characters from Tales from Dark Moon Vale. Available now on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's on YouTube. Also on Find the Path Ventures, our new RSS feed. Yes. Ross will be GMing and we will all be playing our characters from that show. So like Clove, Amaranth, etc. And that will be August 1st from 6 to 10. Yeah. 6 p.m. Eastern time. So join us on our Twitch channel as part of Gen Con. You will see it in the Gen Con registration once that goes live on the 13th to be able to sign up for events. Um, so yeah, come hang out with us and uh, watch us play live. We yeah. really look forward to seeing you guys. It was so much fun getting to see you guys during PaizoCon. So please join us for this too. Yeah. In addition to that, uh, we should mention again that we had an announcement recently pertaining towards our Tales from Dark Moon Bell, which is still ongoing on our YouTube series. And uh, we also have, as Jessica just mentioned, that we have a second RSS feed that we made available mm -hmm. for all the extra activities and projects and everything that we are doing outside of Mummy's Mask so that we don't clutter up your main feed here that you can follow over there, which is including once every two weeks uploading the Tales from Dark Moon Vell on a uh, bi-weekly basis to an audio-only format. So if you don't like YouTube and all the things that YouTube does, like commercials, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's, yeah. We don't um, have ads on our ads, show. Yeah, we don't, have, we, don't. we don't have any ads on ours, but they keep sneaking them in on everything else that I watch. Mm. True. Or if you're one of those people that just likes to be on the go and download it onto your favorite podcatcher, then you can go over to Find the Path Ventures and follow it there. And we will be eventually updating that with additional content in the future. So check that out and keep your ears out for more updates about it mm -hmm. and uh yeah other than that we will see you at gen con online where you can enjoy the best four days in gaming but all online from the comfort of your own couch mm -hmm. and join us chat with us uh you know make fun of jordan for terrible dice rolls or <laughs> me for rattling you get to see it in real time <laughs> yeah. guys watch the yeah. failure on my face <laughs> yeah, or tell me to shut up about my brattling dwarf facts or whatever you want. So uh, come, come join us on there and uh, we hope to see you then. And until next time, good luck, Pathfinders. Yeah. Good luck. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.